Yeah, and he was he did some interview and he was talking about how he invented leather jogging pants or something. And I was like, well, who the hell would wear leather jogging pants? I'm going to put on my leather jogging pants and go for a run. How does <laughs> said, that make sense? Said no one ever. Yeah, said no one <laughs> ever. Hey, it's uh, it's it's episode 97. Damn. Three away. So close. We're totally so going to make close. our numbers, Jeffrey. So close. And and uh, 993. Oh, come on. In the group. We could fall over the line at this point. Seven, seven more people. Come yeah. on, people. You've got to have some more friends that you haven't told. Yeah, it's true. Seven people. Get us a thousand. Help us get to a thousand before we get to a hundred. <laughs> Wait, there's. Wait, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's On Taking Pictures. Uh, We're here every week talking about photography and and how to make that kind of stuff happen. All the gooey bits that we we seem to stumble over from day to day. Uh, My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com, your source for inspiration of (laughs) photography-related stuff. (laughs) You like that? Yeah. Uh, and and with me right now, are you are you the the snowed in photographer? What, uh, what no, are you? actually, no. It's very cold outside today. Um, okay, and we had a smattering of snow yesterday. Okay, the 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 smattered New York photographer, portrait photographer, Bill Wadman. That's fair. It's seventeen degrees outside right now. You've you've been smattered. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know what? I can't tell if you and I are getting more polished or less polished as time goes on. I think it's a sine wave. <laughs> it goes up and down. It goes up and down. <laughs> We're definitely at the bottom right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it works itself out. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I, it turns out that my right eye uh, is 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 more out of focus than my left eye. Which would only you, a little bit. Do you, okay. One of your eyes is far better than the other two, isn't Not it? Not far better, but they are different. And in, uh, yeah, it, it, they're different. Do you go see a, a, an eye doctor all the time? Every year. Okay, see, I haven't been to an ophthalmologist in maybe 15 years, 20 years, just because I haven't needed to, right? Like, my right. eyes have never been a problem. But, you know, and just the other day, I was like, eh, my right eye feels like a little bit, you know, like, when I if I close one eye and look at the other, I'm like, eh, it's a little bit fuzzier. So I said, you know what, I'm getting old now, and I'm going to take Jeffrey's cue and start going to see an ophthalmologist. You got you know what, it's all, it, it becomes about preventative maintenance no totally and i mean for things like this it's like you know what if i see something weird going on with my eye why not hey i've got insurance go see the doctor get it checked out you know well Uh, that's that's the thing now is is a lot of people don't go because it's expensive you know uh, many vision plans don't cover vision or dental right yeah yeah you know especially Uh, individual plans so if you're a freelancer you might have health care but you you probably don't have vision or dental because those aren't typically bundled into your into your now vision does vision count as like just uh like getting glasses and and ophthalmology or even optometry counts under vision generally typically optometry like glasses uh your annual checkup all that kind of stuff falls under vision okay yeah okay uh anyway so yeah i had a i had a nice checkup and uh, i should start using my left eye apparently up to the eye cup of my camera but we'll see yeah, apparently my right's better than or my left's better than my right. But uh, things you learn as you get older, you know. Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny how much I know. This is going to sound like a really stupid statement. <laughs> but, 
but, oh, that's know, never stopped you before. But, uh, you know, vision, seeing how much it has to do with, with photography, obviously. But, you know, people like uh, um, uh, who's our, uh, Albert Watson, right? He's, he's blind in one eye. Which yeah. is why his book's called Cyclops. Cyclops, sure. So, I mean... Designed by... Ugh, the worst designer ever. David Carson. <laughs> so it's got letters that are all in cranky directions and <laughs> cut in half and slid over half of letters. So it's yeah. entirely unreadable. That's, that's That guy? That's edgy is yeah. what that is. That's um, edgy. But, you know, some people say that that was actually uh, a good thing for him because then he could – he saw the world as two dimensions already because he had no mm-hmm. depth perception. He's already saw things as a flat photograph. Do you buy that? Um, maybe. I don't know. You know, it's my, – my father had really dramatic – I mean, he was, his, his vision was like 2200 or something. Okay. Um, and he had – very little depth perception, but, you know, he still got his pilot's license and still, uh, you know, did all kinds of stuff that they, they were like, well, you really shouldn't be able to do this. Even driving, you know, how, how much of driving is based on depth perception. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he just, he learned to compensate for it. So maybe, you know, I was Watson completely blind in one eye. I think he is. I think he is blind in one eye. Uh-huh, I'm, uh-huh. I'm 80% sure of that. Um, so, you know, just, Interesting little thing. Anyway, uh, what, how did the uh, how did the assignment from last week go? Really well. Some interesting stuff up again. You guys uh, doing some really fantastic work, and uh, and I hope this was fun. A uh, little little bit of a change. Uh, now you you came up with this one. This is this is interesting. Perspective. Yeah. <clears throat> so what do you what do you mean by this? Well, originally I was thinking about how when little kids walk around, like there was a little kid at the doctor's office yesterday, and you know they're seeing things from two feet off the ground, right? Which is completely different than how I see things generally. You know, unless I get down on the ground and I'm looking that way, right? Um, and I even notice when I use say a Hasselblad with a with a I uh, you know waist level viewfinder, you're looking down into the camera, so your camera's at belly button height, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and how much how different pictures look just because of where you're taking them from, you know? Right. Um, so I thought it would be fun to have the assignment be either taking them from a really low perspective or a really high perspective up on a up on a a, a ladder or up on a you know up from de- up on top look shooting down. Yeah, um, yeah, I Ab- like it. Abbey Road style. Yeah, I like it. You know, they did that too. They uh, they they he was up on a ladder, a step ladder, when he took the Abbey Road cover shot. Oh, the crossing the street. Yeah. 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 So, you All know, right. I just thought that would be fun to, to, to change it up because, you know, everyone just stands there with their camera. Right. And if they're right. six feet high, they take the picture from six feet high. Right. You know, so, how often so do people get all the way down or all the way up? You know? Lay down on the ground, shoot, shoot up a little ways or, or get on a chair or, or, you know, a fire escape. Yeah. Or something. Exactly. Great. Yeah. Perspective. Good. All right. So I that's like good. Uh, wait, are we really talking about Ellen first? Why not? Okay. Come on. It was just the Oscars. Yeah. Did you watch any of the Oscars? Um, no, but I, I mean, I, I saw who won and everything. And I, uh, you know, actually, you know what? Well, after here, finish that. I, I don't generally watch the Oscars. I generally think of it as a one big advertisement for the movie industry, which is exactly what it is. And it's a whole bunch of people congratulating themselves. Yeah, it is. It is self-congratulatory. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the movie industry giving themselves awards. Yeah. It's like, well, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then demanding more money because they got the award. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so selfie that she took, if you've seen the Oscars or you have any interest in the movie industry, you, you probably know that 
one million retweets of this of this uh, yeah. selfie taken by Bradley Cooper on a, a Samsung S5. You know what's actually pretty interesting about this? Bradley Cooper's holding the phone, right? All of the people in the photograph probably retweeted it, and each of them probably has 5 million followers, right? right. So maybe it's actually not that crazy of a... It was still I mean? enough to break Twitter for a oh, while. Oh, no, 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 of course. Yeah, I think it's yeah. really cute, yeah. but I'm just saying that I, it's, you know, you, you also have the geometric effect of all the people in the photo having millions of followers right, as well. Right, right. <laughs> I thought it was funny that... that uh, out on stage, Ellen's wandering around with a Samsung S5, but backstage, she was using her own iPhone. Of course she was, yeah. Uh, promotion. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to name names, but I've known many a photographer who was a official sponsor, you know, official blah, blah, blah of X camera company, but right. then used Y camera company for their own stuff. You know, so yeah, that happens all the time. So hey, it's it's the hey, same thing. I would thing. I would uh, you know if if Fuji wants to uh, to shoot me over an XT1 to to complement my my X Pro, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say that you'll, I use Fuji stuff. Yeah, and you'll I, actually use it. I well, as much as I use my X Pro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody wrote in saying that they went and used the it was XT1. Is that what you just said? XT1. Yeah, that's the new and, one. And uh, that the that the the EVF was was good, but st- still nothing like an optical. Is what they said. So uh, anyway. I'd have to see it. I've, I've heard yeah. nothing but good things about it. In fact, yeah. someone uh, on the group, is it Nathan? I think it's Nathan Gilmer. Yeah, Nathan Gilmer got just one? got uh, an XT1. Wow, big choice. Uh, and uh, loves it. You know, uh, speaking of the Oscars. <clears throat> yep. Do you see Matthew McConaughey's speech? I did see Matthew McConaughey's speech and... I thought it was in, in keeping with some of our discussions over the past few weeks. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, the, the part that I, I'm going to, I'll put a link in the show notes of a crappy YouTube version, but the part that, that got me, he was talking about how his hero was himself 10 years out. Right. You know, which you could take a couple different ways. Okay. That's why I wanted to get your, your take on it. Well, there's, there's a, hmm, I don't know. I, of all the people to look up to, I am probably the, either, either at the end or, or pretty close to the end of the people on my list. Okay. But does that say, does that say more about you or more about, I don't know. And when you're 15, it, is it. Is it foresight that says uh, my hero is me at 25 or is it, is it arrogance? Um, I don't see, know. I didn't, I didn't hear his, I didn't hear it as arrogance. I heard it as hopefulness. Yeah. As optimism. But um, of all the people you can learn from. Yeah. But I mean, like, why, the, I, I, don't, the, I don't understand I, it. See, I mean, most people see hero as what they're trying to be. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't try to be somebody else. Try to be yourself. And he is, I mean, I, I get it. He's talking about, you know, the best version of me. Yes. Yep. My hero is, is the best version of me. And, and within the context of, of his speech, sort of, uh, you know, guided by God and family and friends, I, it, it, I think it fits him. Okay. <clears throat> I think it fits him. And, and 
You know, the other thing is, by the time you reach the Oscars, how many times has he given that speech? Yeah, good question. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously because he's he, thought about he, it. He won critics. He won uh, Independent Spirit. He won Golden Globe. He won. You know, so you've 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 had a lot of time to think about these things sure. by this point. Yep. Um, I, but but I think I don't know. You know what it is. I what I like about it is that it acknowledges the fact that where I am right now today is not where I want to be. I'm not done yet. Absolutely. And and yeah, that, absolutely. that the me a year from now or 10 years from now is going to be better than the me now. And absolutely. I I like the fact that some guy who's up there you know is uh, is understanding of the fact that life is an improvement thing and there there's no point at which you have to stop working. Absolutely. And if you look at the Matthew McConaughey of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. All right. All right. All right. That's right. That's right. Uh, inspired by Jim Morrison. What's um, that? That line was? That line was. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, they were doing Dazed and Confused and, and uh, he, he was listening to uh, a Doors live record. And, and there's, a, there's a point in which Morrison screams, all right, all right, all right, all right, four times. <laughs> and he was thinking about his character and he's thinking about what is this guy all about? What is, what, what do I want? What am I into? Yeah. And he's like my car, uh, getting high, um, picking up chicks. Yeah. And there was one other one and they were doing the scene and he, and he had, he had three out of the four. So he just said, all right, all right, all right. And that was, that's how that, that kind of came that's about. That's pretty cute. You know, I never yeah. thought of McConaughey as a particularly great actor until this true detective. Is that what it's called? True Detective is fantastic. And, and his, the his movie, performance in Mud. Yeah, but it's only been the past few years, you know, that yeah. he's kind of come into himself. Well, but, it's it's he's he's kind of gotten out of this this uh, impossibly good-looking leading man. Do you think he was stifled by that? Stifled by other people's preconceptions of what he could make. I think so. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. There, there, there was an article in Vanity Fair, as a matter of fact, on why Leonardo DiCaprio may never win an Oscar. And it has nothing to do with his talent. ability, yeah. It has everything to do with his persona, his demeanor. He's too cool for one. You know, what they, they said, I think they said Cary Grant never won an Oscar, you know, because they were, it's almost like they transcend it at some yeah. point. Well, look, you Oscars know. are not about necessarily who put in the best performance the last year, you know. Right. Uh, there's right. a lot more to it than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can understand that. Um, well, and he's, you know, McConaughey has, this will kind of lead us into our branding, but McConaughey has reinvented his brand over the past 10 years. Yeah. But I mean, has that been a slow thing or has it been a, did, did he, did he, hmm. Did he evolve into this new McConaughey or do you think he made a conscious decision, say, five years ago that said, you know what, I'm going to stop doing the rom-coms where I take off my shirt? And I think it was conscious. I think it was very conscious. OK. Yeah. I think that that. Um... <laughs> did you, Go ahead. Did you, you ever see uh, Conrad was talking about this yesterday, the Matt Damon impression of McConaughey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're it's so to perfect. Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. I'll find him. Put in the show notes. Yeah, uh, I no. I think it, I think his. I mean, they're they're calling it the McConaissance, you know. And and I think that he has um, very deliberately rebranded himself 
as not an action star, not a leading man, but an incredible character actor. And he's, and he's done some work internally and he's done some work externally. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is a, a new, a newer version of himself. Yes. And, and we're, we're seeing him, uh, not only take on different roles, but succeed and indeed excel at those roles. Yeah, sure. And I mean, look, he, he has a number of opportunities there. He's already an established guy. So he's got name recognition. Mm -hmm. And he has teams of people who are trying to get him the kind of work he wants to get, you know, at this point. Right. Sure. With, with the kinds of actors that are going to support and challenge the choices and decisions he's making. Yeah. Uh, you know, but whoever thought that Jared Leto would end up being a good actor? Who thought that, you know, what was what was his name on My So-Called Life? Uh, uh, um, Jordan Catalano? <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> would end up having an Oscar, you know? So, yeah. I mean, there's... there's the, I think that for a lot of situations, for a lot of people who make stuff... It's about getting the opportunity to really show what you can do or finding the right situation just for you to sort of break out of where you are, right? That it's not all entirely of your making. Part of it is is finding the right moment to do it, you know? I would agree with that and I would I would also agree that it's finding the right collaborators to do it with in many cases. Okay. Yeah. Well, especially in the movie industry. Yeah. You know, it's all well, about the actors even, and the writers. Even in photography. Yeah. You know, it, we, as much as we want to, to be this sort of romanticized version of, you know, Sean Penn's character in, in Mitty. Right. Oftentimes, very few of those people exist. If they yeah, exist oftentimes all. it is a collaborative effort, whether whether it's collaboration on set or it's collaboration between you and a subject or collaboration in post-processing or yep. or marketing. Um, and I think you're stronger for it. I think the work is stronger for it. Yes, I think I see you're a hundred percent in the collaboration thing. I'm a sometimes I think it helps, and sometimes I think too many cooks spoil the soup. Well, I think I think it could go either way. I think it's double edged sword, like everything else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I do think there has to be a vision. There has to be a unified vision. Yeah. You know, we've talked about several times. Would would Apple be where they are without the sort of benevolent dictatorship of Steve Jobs. So you're saying that somebody has to be in charge. Yes. Even within a collaboration. Sure. I mean, even on a film, there has to be a general, there is the director and, and ostensibly everyone is there to support the director's vision. Right. Especially if he has bad eyesight like me. That's right. (laughs) So, you know, and I, so I think this is, this has been a, a, a very deliberate, change and you know good for him yeah no good for him i just i th- i thought the speech was good i mean it was it was a little forced and stilted but i thought i thought it was in keeping with the discussions that we've had lately so i want to put it in there yeah uh i'll also put the matt damon doing an impersonation of him in the show notes too 
Yeah, it is pretty funny. <laughs> should, should I take my shirt off now? Yeah, yeah. I think this would be a good opportunity for me to take yeah. my shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's so so great. Uh, uh, I wonder what you know. I always wonder how these guys feel about that stuff. You know, much Being like sort the, of lampooned like that. Yeah, like like the Mark Wahlberg talks to animals thing. You know. Yeah. I produce Entourage. You know. It's a great beer. Uh, goat. I think it depends. I mean. It, it, you know, some of them maybe it, it you know gets them under the collar a little bit, yeah. but I, I, at that level, I think you have to have a pretty thick skin and understand that they're ribbing on you because you are part of the zeitgeist. Right. The, the joke only only works if everyone knows who you are, and knows how you are anyway. Right. Sort of the the seven degrees of of you know yeah. Kevin Bacon or yeah. Whatever. If they're doing an impression of you, that means that you're known by enough people that they'll understand what the impression is. Sure. So yeah. Um, all right. You want to get on this branding discussion? Sure. The branding train, the branding train. Okay. Yeah. It's, this is, this is, I don't know how far we're going to get into this, but uh, we'll see. Um, let's see where, let's see what happens. So what, what, what is branding? What is branding? What is, what is branding? Uh, if you, if you, if you, if you go back to, to, to Jonathan Baskin, yeah, he says branding is a hope wrapped in a desire inside a fantasy. That's his definition of branding. Okay, that's a little too frou-frou-frou for me. It is. Yeah. I, uh, what, what else you got? You got other definitions? Well, a lot of people think branding is a logo, but branding is not a logo. No. Branding Brand, is not branding a is, logo. Is, is presenting a consistent, um, I was going to say vision of yourself, but that's the wrong term. But you understand what I'm trying to say. It's like it's, it's being consistent in how other people see you. Whether it's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brand, I can your, see that. Your brand is, is your, it's behavior. It's it, and and it's not to be confused with marketing. And no. some people do. Some people confuse brand and marketing and that's mostly that's, marketing people. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> marketing, what's the difference? Marketing is every bit of contact that you have with the outside world. Marketing I feel like marketing is a subset of branding. Is that fair to say that you have branding has to be there for marketing to be successful. Like you already have yes. to be a singular person. Now, a lot of that all to me, a lot of that all starts in your own mind, right? Branding starts of at where you see yourself, you know? Um, yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the things we've, we talk about here is authenticity, right? That authenticity, you know, f that, that it all starts with finding the work that you want to do, being the kind of person you want to be, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that branding and then marketing down the line all sort of stem from that initial thing of you knowing who you are. If you don't know who you are, how does anybody else supposed to know who you are? Yes. There, well, there is a definite direction and, and focus is important. You, you think it's possible to have a, a consistent brand without really knowing who you are? I don't, no. Okay. Right. Or, or know what it is that if you're a service-based without knowing what it is that you're offering. Right. Okay. Yeah. If, okay. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. The, 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 as a photographer, you could argue that you 
are your brand. That brand becomes very personal to you. Yes. And again, I think within photography and and within a number of businesses, uh, brand is behavior. When you're paying, you know, X number of thousands of dollars for Jerry Giannis to come shoot your wedding. Okay. Are you paying for the pictures or are you paying for the experience of Jerry Giannis at your wedding? I would argue that you're paying for the experience. When you go to to workshops with X photographer or Y photographer. Odds are you could learn what they're teaching anywhere, but you're paying for the experience of being with that person. You're, 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 you're paying to be a part of that brand. Okay. That's fair. But is that, is, but do you like that idea or does that make you see, Mm. I don't know that I like it or dislike it, but that seems to be the way it is. Yeah, I, I, I agree that that's the way it is. I think some of that stuff is where it, it kind of makes me feel a little squeamish. Well, anything corporate tends to make you feel squeamish. Well, it does because it, 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 see, that feels inauthentic to me. That feels, how, how do you mean? That feels packaged, you know? That feels... Uh, um, you know, sometimes like in this show, right? You and I show often very, um, uh, we show all sides of ourselves, right? Try to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know that we could be much more open than we are. You know, we talk about pretty much everything. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> and sometimes get ripped up for <laughs> sure of course right and yeah. but but i think that you know there are times when i think you know as which is this is great for me as a person to be this open i'm mm-hmm. all for it there are times when i think as a photographer as a brand me admitting faults or weaknesses on the show makes me look weak to the world you know what I mean? I'm showing weaknesses when, uh, when people are looking for perfection or strength, you know? So, but, but I think uh, that, but I think strength, what, uh, that's clients that's the, and that kind of stuff. Like if, 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 if on my blog, I talk about how I screw up a shoot or on the show, I talk about how I wasn't happy with this or I, I need to work on that. That to me does not, uh, project, the the strength and sort of assurance that a lot of people are looking for for when they're hiring somebody yeah, to do McNally work. talks about those things. You think you're better than McNally? <sighs> no, I don't think I'm. Uh, yeah, but McNally, but I mean, McNally mostly does talks now, right? He's not even shooting that much um, for, for clients. Um, there, 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 you, as, as any sort of creative endeavor, there is doubt. But was there he talking is... about all that stuff in the eighties and nineties when he was working all the time? I don't know. I didn't do. I didn't go yeah, see I don't in the know. 80s. I'm, I'm just. I'm I didn't just. Read his blog then. Um, sure. No, that, that's the case. But I. But see, I am not at the level where I have all the stuff backing me up that say McNally does. But you're. You're never going to be. You're always going to feel self doubt about your work. Yes, but is is the person who doesn't talk about the self doubt better off as far as their perception that other people have of them? I think if you're if confidence okay. projecting confidence is what I'm saying, but it's inauthentic because you're you're not confident all the time, right? No one is, right? And authenticity is or should be 
the sort of bedrock of 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 your uh, brand. I, I agree with you, but I do, but do you do you think that most of the people out there are actually being open with the world or you think that they're, they're I don't have to worry about most of the people out there. I have to worry about me. Sure. I'm I guess I'm not I'm not saying worried about. I just mean that if if we're talking about authenticity, do you think that most of the people out there are authentic or do you think that they're putting on a show? Um I think there's Probably a, a, a fair mix of both. And do you think that people can tell the difference? Mm, at a certain level, I think okay. they can. I just, you know, if they can't tell the difference, then why bother being authentic? Then why is authentic so key? Authenticity so key? Well, I think it's... Hmm. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on your argument. I'm just trying to find the walls, you know? I think if you if you... Find you, yep. What what you are after, who you are, yep. And project that. There will be uh, far more people that are receptive to that than than creating this sort of false image. Okay. There are there are photographers out there that that they're very good or they appear very good. Yep. But I just wouldn't want to work with them. On any level, and I don't know why, other than they feel what they're peddling seem, seem yeah it feels inauthentic, it feels disingenuous. Hmm. That the image, the image, big eye, yep, has taken center stage. Yeah, but obviously, for those people, it's working for them. Um. Well. Uh, Insofar as we can assume that, that, that it's working. Sure. Yeah. I guess, I mean, that's just where, what I kind of think about. I just think about the fact that, uh, you know, if, if at the point at which you go, you know, should, should you go out there projecting just the best of yourself in every way and to do anything different is being stupid in the sense that you are showing weakness in a battlefield, you know, in, in a art of war kind of way, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I go back and forth on this. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't regret talking about the stuff we talk about on the show at all ever, but sometimes I think, wow, are are the people who keep their mouth shut and only say the good stuff about themselves most of the time? And yeah, every once in a while they throw in a little thing of like, Oh, here's how I screwed up just a little bit here on this thing. But look at the great thing that I came out with. Um, I think you have to have the foibles. I think you have to have humility. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think you have to have the little setbacks. Yeah. But do you have to be public about them? I, I don't have a problem with it. Right. Okay. You know, I, I think I'm personally, I think I'm, I'm pretty honest about my screw ups. Yes. Okay. And for me, being honest about the places where you being honest about the, the, the misses make the hits that much brighter. Uh, From a personal point of view, I completely agree with you. The question is if an art buyer has a hundred thousand dollar check sitting next to them and they're going to give it to photographer a or photographer B and photographer B looks like he can do no wrong. And photographer a admits that they screw up every once in a while. Who are they going to give it to? You know what I mean? That's, well, that's my concern. 
Yeah. Well, it, but see, that comes that comes down again. It comes back to your brand and, and who who are you and what are you? What's the behavior that you're trying to project? Right. You know, you 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 look at at your site, mm-hmm. and collection of good pictures. Sure. Yep. Strong brand. No. Right. Because I don't have a logo. No, it's it's not a matter of logo. It's not a matter of a logo. <laughs> It, there, there's, there's just not, in my opinion, a cohesive offering of who you are. What would be a cohesive offering in your mind? I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought about it a lot in terms of your stuff. I don't, I don't see a direction that you're chasing. I don't, I don't see what you're really going after. I see that you do a lot of things very, very well, but I don't, I don't see who you're targeting as a client. I don't see what you're, what you're presenting as here's who I am and here's, here's what I can do for you. I see a collection of very good photographs. Um, okay. So it's a matter of words to you or editing of a collection. I think it's probably both. Yeah. See, but you're a words guy. Well, I'm trying to be. Yeah. I, I appreciate the compliment. I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm trying to be. Well, you, you're also, you're also a word. You're a linguistic fetishist like in some way. Yeah. 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 I do like words. Right. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it, you and I have talked about this a lot about what is it? on some level that's, that's keeping, and, and this is probably the wrong choice of words and I, I apologize for that, but traction is a word that we've used when sure. talking about your work. Um, the photographs are, are great photographs. There's nothing wrong with the work, but it's almost like, what do I put you in? What box, do, where do I, if I'm, if I'm looking to hire you and I go, okay, well, okay, you've got this kind of stuff. You got that kind of stuff. There, uh, I don't really know what to think. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's, if it's partially an editing thing. Yeah. Like if I'm looking at your site right now, would I, would I cull some of these off the homepage? Yes. Okay. Probably. Um, the thing is you never know what somebody's going to be interested in. You, you know? don't. And, and you, you're, 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 you're banking on that. If I throw, well, I don't, enough, I mean, it, on my entire site, I maybe have a hundred pictures, right? You know, which I don't think is a lot. I don't think it's a lot. No. Um, it's, you know, it's an interesting thing though, because yeah, I don't know. Um, but, and, and it, I think one of the other things is, is there, there really is no marketing. No, because I'm not marketing to, to people. I mean, see, the thing is, okay, there, there are people who have, say, sites that are set up as a, you come hire me. But the people who are, who I want to hire me are not reading language like that. You know, you're B2C, not B2B or no, no, you're B2B, not B2C. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking for Joe Schmo to hire me to take his picture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not a photo studio in that way. Right. I don't have prices on my website and that kind of stuff. Like I don't, that's not, that's not my game. 
Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, for somebody who is that, that's a whole other thing, you know, um, what, what my site needs to be is somebody needs to see my work. They go, they look, they go, yeah, okay. His pictures are whatever. I like this. I like that. This is what we need. Sure. You're hired. Um, right. My website is essentially a digital version of my book and very little. Yes. Right. Yes. Which, which is what it's intended to be. Um, well, one of the other components of, of sort of branding and and marketing and, and all that stuff now too, is, is this idea of social media and, and whether that works and whether it doesn't work, you have some thoughts on, on how you use it and, and whether that works Yep. that is, that are, that are different than some of the experiences that I've had in talking to other people. So how yeah. do you, how do you how do you decide how to use it for your business? Because in 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 terms of your social media, I see very little about your photography in any of your social streams. Um, yeah, I mean, I sometimes I put up links to stuff that I've done that I stick on the blog when I when I can, you know, after it's out of embargo and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but but generally, the people who are hiring me are not following me on social media. The people who are following me on social media are other photographers. But is it, is that another double-edged sword where they're not following you because there's not much there to follow yeah, but at related the same time, to your work? I don't, I don't think, know. I'm asking the question. No, yeah. I, I don't think that a lot of people who, um, yeah, sure. There are the, there are the, uh, the anecdotes of people, you know, I posted this thing on, on Twitter and it got retweeted and some guy saw it and hired me for a $14 million job because of something I posted on Instagram. You know, I mean, there are those things out there, right? Um, but, but you know, it, a lot of the people who are hiring, they want less input, not more from what I've seen. You know, they don't want emails anymore. They don't want people writing to them. They don't want, you know, it's almost like they're overwhelmed by people trying to market to them. Um, mm-hmm. I generally don't use my social media as marketing for me in a really like hard sell kind of way. Um, I usually use it to disseminate information that I write on my blog or stuff we do on the podcast. Right. Right. Um, uh, I, but I mean, could you, could you see maybe trying, um, maybe, maybe posting, going back into your archives and posting things on Facebook or on Twitter or Sure. wherever to, to, to sort of build up a stream of what it is that you do. Because right now, if, if I want to know what you do, I have to go to your site. Yeah, I guess so. Sure. And there's this, yeah. there is this idea of, you know, I, I don't want to support multiple platforms. I want to have all of my work concise in one location. Yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer to have my stuff on my site and link over to my site some way. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to having it on Flickr and Twitter and 14 other places. Um, uh, in fact, I have it currently set up so that my Twitter just auto forwards to my Facebook. So I rarely ever put anything on Facebook by hand, you know, that right. kind of thing. Right. Um, just cause like I, I'm not taking time to write things in six different places every, every time I post something that's just absurd. right. But um, even, I mean, I think even, I think, I think there, there are some opportunities being missed of, you know, Posting, uh, 
your 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 the shots of of you know Seth Godin, Malcolm sure. Gladwell. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, but but here's the thing. I, I hmm. I don't generally see my. Uh, I don't like the hard sell. I don't know that that's a hard sell. Sharing your work is, strikes me as 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 very well, far from a hard sell. It's. I guess. I it's, mean, isn't that the point of the of, of the media stream is ah, to well, share see, the work? Well, then that's maybe where we differ. Um, I don't. I mean, yes, I have followers on Twitter and thousands of people on Google Plus and whatever it is, but but I don't see that. I mean, I yeah, I guess it could be used for marketing to get me more work but in the past the work that i've gotten hasn't come from that stuff so right but but you've 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 admitted that you've you've run up against a wall in some cases of how much work you're getting yeah that's Yet actually changing a... in the past couple of weeks but okay but but i i think that um you know what it is? I don't want my social media stream to just be one big marketing pitch which it is for a lot of people it is for a lot of people. I, and and I look at those people and I roll my eyes. Point. If yeah. all you're doing is, is look at this photo, look at my work, look at this, yeah. look at yeah. this, look yeah. at this. That's the other side of that coin. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I want to stay, I'm tr- it's mm, how to stay as far away from that as possible while still using it to its full advantage is, is a, is a good question, you know? Yes. But I, I definitely don't want to be that guy, you know, and we all know that guy. Um, yeah, there are. Yeah. 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 There, um, there are a number of people who are who are using, uh, you know, social media as their own personal sort of weekly circular. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know and, I, I, I've, I have a friend uh, named Peter Shankman, who is a some would argue a marketing PR genius. You know, okay. he's, he's like one of these guys and he's bought and sold four different companies and he's you know worth lots of money and he jumps out of. Airplanes. I think his 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 Twitter handle is Skydiver. I think, um, and he's one of those guys who just has this knack for PR. Just okay. has it. So last week he he was running in Central Park. He's one of these crazy people who wakes up at like three in the morning. Um, you know, and and he's not that old. Right. Um, and he goes running in the in Central Park at like four in the morning. You know. So he's running around Central Park at four in the morning, but theoretically, by law, Central Park doesn't open until say five or five thirty or something like that. And he's running in there and like on the road in Central Park, and cop pulls him over and gives him a ticket for running in the park at at four a.m. Right now, the cop, the argument he makes is like, look, the cop could have said, "Hey, you're not supposed to be in here right now. Go run on the outside," you know. But instead, apparently, the cop's boss was in the car with him, and so he had to give the guy a, a ticket and a summons, right? Now, the cop didn't know who this guy was. Did the cop choose the wrong guy to give the ticket to? Yes. Because now it's an article on CBS News, on CNN, on like, you know, like it's this huge embarrassment to the New York Police Department that just like, look, you're taking time to do this when there's crime out there. You know, that right. kind of stuff. Um, he he has the knack for it. And even when I was working on uh, 365 Portraits, I uh was talking, I was still, I was friends with him then. And I had shot him for the project and, and he's just like, Oh, you know what you need to do? You need to call a vitamin company and have them sponsor the site. Cause it's like one a day, one a day vitamins, one a day pictures and blah, 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 blah. Like that's his game. Mm-hmm. Um, 
making those connections. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, first in his own head, then in reality, I guess, you know, and he's been very successful at it. It's just it, when I watch him, like it, it, as successful as he is, I'm just like, oh, that's just not me. You know, right. um, and if if part of branding is authenticity and you being yourself, I don't have that much of a problem with it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that if it's something that doesn't makes me feel uncomfortable, then that probably isn't what I should be doing anyway. Because if it makes me uncomfortable, then it's not me, and the whole point is authenticity, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, yeah, maybe may- unless um, it yeah. unless it's you. Uh, just being scared or weird about it, finding some hill that you need to die on re- with regard to this issue. Yeah, no, it's you not know? that it's, it's, it's uh, look, you know, I, I get work through the ways I get work and I'm going to be getting more work soon. It's, it's, there are places. Yeah. I mean, look, I go on Facebook and there's lots of people who, if I look at my Facebook feed of, of <laughs> friends, at least 20% of them are using pictures that I took as, as their photos, you know, cause they're either former clients of mine or subjects from editorial stuff or friends of mine, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and they all have, you know, picture by me as their thing, even on a lot of the Twitter people that I know that have my pictures, people who have hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, say, Oh, picture by at Bill Watman. Have I gotten any work from any of that? Not that I know of, you know? So, well, and, and, maybe you won't. I mean, it's yeah. look, our, our, our brains, <laughs> uh, neurons fire yeah. for familiar things. Yep. They, they, they fire up when we, when we hear familiar brand names, this is, this is science. This sure. is, this yep. is a fact, but there's also been no connection established between recognition and subsequent action. Right, we recognize this thing, but it doesn't mean yeah. that we actually. You can go you for can it. show me a, a a Tide commercial fifty times a day, and I'll recognize it. But but the more you show it to me, will not make me any more likely to yeah. buy it. Yeah, I think P and G could save a lot of money by like not advertising Tide for say a week each month, and I don't think it would make any bit of a dent in the sales of Tide. Yeah, you know, everyone knows what Tide is. You don't need to advertise it. Yeah, and in fact, it, it, studies which would would suggest that that it can actually work against you hearing it too much. Yeah, hearing sure. something yeah. too much. But you know, I mean, th- there are numerous examples though of people who were completely unknown, and 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 still who they were, and then suddenly get recognized for who they are. I mean, you you were reading your Stephen King book a few weeks ago. You know, Stephen King sent his stuff to thousands of people, and and everyone said no until somebody said yes. And then he was Stephen King, you know, Stephen King was Stephen King the day before he got that letter back. Yeah. You know, so is it, you know, it's it's, sometimes it's just a matter of, of finding the right time or waiting for your, waiting for your mark, you know, is, is technology changing the ideas of branding and marketing? I think it's making them more noisy and cluttered. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, kind of going back to McConaughey for a second, he talked about, you know, they tried to get this film made for, for what, eight years. Yeah. And everybody passed on it. Yeah. And it came to him and he said, let's do it. Yeah. You know, so. You're not going to do that in impression? No, no, no. (laughs) Was the film, was the film any less important eight years ago? Yeah. Was it, was it any, uh, was the story less relevant? You know, none of that stuff. No, but at the same time, they also make Man of Steel. 
So it's like, yeah, right. you know, so that goes, that cuts both ways. Um, so I, I guess one of the questions I, I, I both get asked a lot and, and have yet to come up with an effective answer for is how do I brand myself? Yeah. What, I mean, what do I do? How, how do I build a brand? And, and you can, you know, I think, I think branding has, has, to a certain degree become like SEO in, in that SEO is kind of smoke and mirrors. Yes. Very much. You is. Know? It's really, and awful it changes, you know, it, you used to, Oh, we're going to put keywords and we're going to put a meta description and then we're going to do all this metadata. Well, and then Google comes along and says, yeah, we're going to ignore all of that. We're just going to strip all that out because yeah, because it's all about engagement. Yep. It's all about who's linking to you and how, right. okay. So then people start playing games with having shared links between each other and then Google right. cuts all that out and the, the, everyone's right. always so, trying to game so, the system. I, I think that's part of what it is, is that I feel like gaming the system, however you do it, whatever the, the, the soup of the day is right. Mm -hmm. That just, so you, you feel, feel like, you feel like branding like and marketing are, are kind of dirty words in that, in that respect. Um, I think that SEO is a dirty word in yeah. that. You know, I mean, sure, you know, put keywords in your thing, but I don't think that that's the key to getting ahead. And if it is, it just feels crappy and mm -hmm. like cheating to me, you know, and, and like a just uh, it, there's something about it that doesn't jive with me. Right. Um, and I, I, I think at the bottom line, there, there is no magic pill. Having a great logo is not going to get you more business. Exactly. Having, uh, you know, a well-designed website, no. will it get you more business? Probably not, but it will make the time people spend looking at your work more enjoyable. Sure. But, you know, the, the only tried and true way of, of getting more business as a photographer is having good work. That's sure. That's n absolutely necessary, you know. So the way I see it, I have, I think that I have good work. And so I have the thing that really does matter. The rest of it is all gray areas and, and ephemera to me, you know, where it's like, yeah, that could work. Yeah. You could do social media. Yeah. You could change this around or edit that. But like, you know, you have, if you have the one core thing that is necessary, if you're a writer, is your writing any good? Yes. Okay. Well mm -hmm. then everything else will flow from that. Everything else should flow from that. If you need somebody else to come in and do that work for you, you know, if you need somebody to sell you, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's fine. As long as that stuff is there, if you somehow feel uncomfortable or don't like doing it or are bad at it, that's, that's fine. You know, well, and it's, it's interesting. In. I can't, I can't even tell you how many photographers in the last year I've discovered who have, or, 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 you know, and, and I don't want to say I've discovered them like, you know, I have, I have happened upon them or they've been sent to me or, or whatever. Um, that is the work is, is superb, but I'd never heard of them before. Right. Well, the problem is nowadays there literally are a million people out there who are really great, who you've never heard of just because mm -hmm. there's too many people out there. Who's wait? Who's the guy in London that we, we did the other day, the black and white uh, guy, Brett Walker, who's my friend on Facebook. Now he friended me on Facebook. Yeah. I, I and <laughs> I first heard about him from Tom hoops, right? But he's just, some guy in London. It's not like he has, he doesn't, what are we you could only find his pictures on Flickr. Right. You know, so this is not right. Um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing and it's a really difficult thing to explain, you know, but I, but I think that you need to know who you are. You need to make the kind of work that you want to make everything else while not being cookie cutter 
is somewhat paint by numbers. You know, if you want to go down that direction, here's how you can do it. You know what I mean? And there's plenty of posts around the world, around the internet that describe, you know, how to, how to use social media to your advantage. You can do the other work, you know, you, you could do event photography if you wanted to. Yeah. As long as that work that is true to who you are is also present, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, if, if you need to take on, I think, I think this, that's that, the, the question. Other. If you need for whatever reason, you know, mm-hmm. um, it all depends entirely on what your goals are though. You know? Yes. Um, for me, yeah, I want to make a good living doing my work, but that is not my goal. I want to make good work. That's mm-hmm. number one. I have clients so that I can work. I don't work so I can have clients. You know? Yes, but you are you are in somewhat of a privileged position too. Uh, if you were if you were needing to make sure ends of course. Meet every month. Yes, of course. I I yeah, but I make enough doing what I do to do all of that. Mm-hmm. You know. So, you know, if as long as my head is above water, then then the rest is is somewhat gravy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, for the guy who you know, has a big mortgage and has to pay for college for his kids. Yeah. Well, he has to make different decisions, of course, but I, but you know, those are, that's, that's all the personal stuff that's up to everybody else, you know, right, up to themselves, right. you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. The branding thing is really, really tough. It is. And you it's know? getting, I think it's getting more difficult because there's to your point, there's so much more noise yep. that you have to fight your way through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like you, you know, you like, uh, David Dushman somewhat from uh, the David show. David Dushman is, David Dushman is, is right. one of my favorite writers. Right. Fantastic and, photographer, and fantastic. fantastic writer. Seems like a really nice guy. I haven't met him in person. Maybe I will someday. Um, but you know, he's got good branding. He's got a good way of doing everything. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, there are a lot of guys out there like him. You know, he somehow steps above those other guys somehow. Who knows why or how, you know? Okay, here's a here's a good – I'm glad you brought this up. This is a good example because David yep. is very honest about what he posts and very honest about what he's going through. And and uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, he he will share what's going through his mind. And I think that that level of – to go back to authenticity is part of his brand. It's part you, you, you know what you're getting, you know who you're getting. Yep. Uh, and, and he's very forthright about talking about what moves him, bothers him, inspires him, frightens him. Yes. And I don't see his work suffering. I don't see his popularity suffering. I don't see, I don't see any downside to him presenting an authentic version of himself. Well, see, he's also doing it slightly differently because a lot of his, his, his brand, his work, the stuff he, you know, his, his money, a lot of it comes from workshops and, and that, and books. Right. Mm -hmm. So for him, authenticity is, is he has to be seen as authentic by the photographers who are going to be buying the books and workshops. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I agree that that works out, but what he's, he's going for his market are people that need to see him as somebody they can relate to because they have those same fears and stuff too. See what I'm saying? 
Um, yeah, maybe on that side of it, but I think that's just who he is. I don't think it's calculated. No, like- I don't, I don't think it's calculated. I'm just saying that if, if he was, if he was saying all these things and doing all these things and his main, his, his client wasn't books and, and workshops and other photographers and was only people hiring him. I don't know that that would necessarily be the best play. Hmm. I don't, I, I'm just, I, th- this is just sort of the, the, the sense that I get, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's playing it up. I think he's completely honest about it, but I think that his honesty happens to work perfectly with what it is that he's trying to, yes. you know, he, he, the work that he does with sort of the, the learning kinds of parts of it are very much in keeping with the way that he is. And so those things happen to work in sync and work really well together. I I find his level of candor refreshing. Yeah, sure. I think he's very much a kindred spirit to you and I. Yeah. In the way I, he in talks. fact I'd like to, I'd like to read if will you give me a little bit of rope here? Yeah, go ahead. He's got a, a post called Fill Your Canvas. Go ahead. Uh which, which which begins with with a couple of lovely photos of of he and his mother on on safari. Um in in January this this year. Uh, he says, I don't, I don't know how to put it into words. Each time I try, I feel like I'm flailing, but I feel like I need to try at least once more to remind myself and anyone that'll listen that we are artists of our own lives and like any part of it is messy and full of questions and uncertainty, but it is an act of intentionality. Who we are, what we do, who we become is our art. Sure, it can be accidental, the life that looks like an absent-minded doodle, the life that became what it was while the artist, pen in hand, was busy talking on the phone. That's one choice. Or it's the refusal to choose. Hell, maybe we never knew we had a choice. But it can also be intentional. A fiery act of passionate brushstrokes made in wild reds and yellows across the canvas. We have no idea how large that canvas is. We could reach its edges before we ever imagined, but those colors are no less intense for being on a smaller canvas. And when the paint goes awry, we scrape it off and do it again, or we leave it and let it slide over the edges, more beautiful for its passion and imperfection. Yeah, that's good see, stuff. See, but that's what you feed off of. I do. Stuff that's like that fuel. is exactly what you feed off. That of. is absolutely right. fuel for me. There are times when I read stuff like that and I'm like, yes, this is all true, but I've heard this before and it did or did not change my perception of the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or I, I know this not knowing this is not, it's not that I don't know this. That is my problem. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, uh, and it's just, it's interesting. Yes. I I, I, look, I'm not saying he's not a great writer. I think it's great. I'm just saying that it's, I read that and I go, yes, okay, I could sit around reading stuff like this all day long, but that doesn't actually make me do stuff. Does that actually make you do stuff? I, I'm sitting here holding my pencil right now. Okay. Just kind of, it's, yeah, it's okay. fuel. It's, it's. You need that to get up and go. I don't need it to get up and go, but reading it gets me up and going. Okay. Yeah. You know, he, he, he ends it with fill your canvas. Let us hear your voice, whatever the color of your palette, however misshapen your stretcher bars, fill it. 
Yeah. If it's been so long since you've used your brushes that the bristles are hard and paralyzed, then throw them away and paint with your hands. But paint unhindered by your fear. And when its voice gets loud again, lean in and paint harder. He, he writes very similarly to you. I could, no, I could imagine I, you have written I, that. I wish I was as good you're, a writer. You're a pretty so. good writer. Oh, thank you. You're, you're, anyway. You're, anyway, yeah, it's, it's good. Well, well, I'm going to put that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, more to say in this branding stuff. Let's, let's think about yeah, it. Yeah, let's we'll table come back it for now uh, okay. and, and chime in if you guys have any, any thoughts on this. Uh, what's working for you? What's not working for you? Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Um, we, uh, we, we, we have a sponsor today we have to read. Gotta we don't read. have to. We choose to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean at this point in the show, I think we should discuss ah, yeah. our sponsor. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if they have any new stuff. Okay. You do that while I start the read. Is that all right? They do have new, like these new little video vignette things when you go to the site. I love these things. Uh, they, they brand themselves well. They're all over the subways here in New York City now. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Of course, we're talking about Squarespace. We are. Squarespace. This episode brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code. Jeffrey's off the off the. Are you wanting me to read it? Oh, yeah. sorry. Refine your vision. Wow. See? Plays right into to That's right. Refine your vision. Uh, Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, more support. Do you got anything new on there? Uh, I'm not seeing a okay. new one. If you I go think- to uh, squarespace.com slash blog, I think you can see like they put updates up. Um, they have a beautiful templates for you to start with tons of style options for you to adjust. So you can really create your own space online. Everything is drag and drop. So it's easy to add content from your desktop and even rearrange elements of content within a page. Uh, Squarespace, make sure your site looks automatically looks great on any device because every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. So you can, you can connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, many other web and social services. They've got e-commerce platform. Uh, so if you want to set up a shop and sell things, Squarespace can help you do that in just a few minutes. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, there's over 70 Squarespace employees on the customer care team based in New York. Uh, they're available for live chat during the week, have super fast email support through the day and night, and they even reply to you on Twitter sometimes uh, when you complain about uh, Squarespace in any way shape or form uh let's see oh you know what it's still not even march 15th so listen up uh this is your time if you are interested in working for squarespace they're hiring 30 engineers and designers by march 15th so uh if you are interested uh in in getting in getting being a part of it go to be a part of it.squarespace.com and if they choose you they might bring you and your spouse to new york for the weekend completely how cool is that that's pretty good and you get to hang out with little ryan and his beautiful hair um as i Jared said leto wishes he had little ryan's hair that's that's entirely true uh, <laughs> as i said earlier you can try squarespace for free no credit card required uh for two weeks and if you decide to purchase it starts at just eight dollars a month includes a domain name if you sign up for a year uh make sure to get 10 percent off and support the show by using the code refine your vision <laughs> so thank you to squarespace for supporting five by five and on taking pictures you like that? I do. Uh, I do indeed. They're they're a good company. Uh, where are we at? We oh wow, we're actually uh, we got we got a lot of stuff to cover. Yeah, we're behind. Oh, whenever behind, right. we're fine. 
Uh, hey, I put this in the thing, and it's funny because I I love when we put links in the show notes, and then one of us will find the link from the other one, and we'll start doing a little pre-show, just going over what we're going to go over. Yeah, and we start actually discussing it in the pre-show, yeah. and we're like, I'd save it, save it. stop it, <laughs> quit talking about so it. So I found this 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 link to uh, this is going back to the whole copying thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago, right? And so okay, some uh. There, there's there's an artist who makes uh, things for uh, sci-fi book covers, right? Uh, this is the Chris Foss. Chris Foss uh, made the cover for Asimov's Stars Like Dust, right? right. And on, uh, then there's an art- artist named Glenn Brown who sold a painting at auction recently for $5.7 million um, that is exactly pretty much a copy of the cover of this book. Is that fair yes. to say? Yes. Looking at it, on the on the the, the article online, yep. it looks like you could have made these adjustments with uh, a curves level and a hue saturation level adjustment lever, level yeah. layer. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so apparently the guy won that it was a it was an original work, which I think is a little crazy, right? It uh, is a little. <laughs> okay, so here's the crazy thing about it. Apparently, they these paintings were originally uh, made to be reproduced and reduced in scale, right? So the originals were commissioned to illustrate covers for popular sci-fi novels, right? Right. So this guy, by taking what was the cover of a book at five by seven inches or whatever it is, and enlarging it dramatically, quote, Brown merges the conventions of sci-fi illustration with the spectacle of large-scale history or landscape painting artists such as Jacques David, Jacques-Louis <laughs> David, and, and Turner. Brown establishes a natural connection between the different disciplines, genres, and subjects, allowing them to slide with ease from one existence interpretation into another. You okay, call, this, you call this, BS? Is, this is, this, to me, yeah. this is curator rhetoric. Yes, he did, he's done it before too, and all kind like a number of other books. I mean, if 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 I took an Avedon piece and blew it up to forty by sixty, <laughs> yeah. and tried to pass it off as my own, how far yeah. do you think I'm going to get? You ready for this? He he. Apparently, in in an interview, he defends himself by saying, "Quote: The Foss paintings never look like my versions of them." Mine are always played around with. The colors are altered. The cities were redrawn. And I was always inventing things to increase their intensity right from the start. I never wanted to lose that notion of appropriation. People say to me, sooner or later, you'll stop copying other artists and you'll make work of your own. But it's never been my point to try to do that because I've always thought you – I never thought you could. The work is always going to be based on something and I wanted to make the relationship with art history as obvious as possible. So – (laughs) <laughs> so apparently in a blog post, Scott Edelman called BS on the whole business quote, I have nothing against artists of all kinds referencing other works when the work ends up being transformative, but Glenn Brown's work is not transformative. <laughs> that, to me, that's kind of like a, I knew Jack Kennedy, sir. And you are no Jack Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's very strange. It is a crazy, crazy thing. But the, one of the reasons I want to bring this up is not because of the copying thing. But is is interesting to me because one of the arguments was made was that these were transformed to larger and therefore mm-hmm. that was part of their transformation as being a different piece. And, you know, it used to be that 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 when you were printing different sizes or you were shooting at different formats, you know, you're shooting eight by ten or you're shooting thirty five millimeter, that size 
mattered in some way, right? And you know, there are arguments that, that yes, okay, bokeh fall, you know, focus falls off differently in larger formats and photography and all this kind of stuff. But right. but ultimately, when it comes down to it, what the photographer ends up with is a file, which is a digital thing, not a physical thing. And I wonder if you know it can be printed any number of different ways. And I wonder if the idea that thing that 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 scale matters would even relate to photography in the same way. You know, Jeffrey made this thing that was small, but my version of it is bigger and therefore that's different. Right. You know, I don't know that. I I mean, I I think that there is a, there is an appreciation difference in how you look at them. You know, I think, uh, you know, part of say, uh, uh, Crudson's photographs. Yeah. Part of the impact is there's such large photographs that we are afforded the ability to see all of the detail that went into them. Yes. Yes. And if they were, you know, merely five by sevens or four by sixes, that scale of production, I think would be wasted. They're fun to look at in books, but there's nothing like seeing the big prints. Yes. But in the same way, there are a lot of pictures, especially I know of my own stuff, like those motion pictures. I could print those really big. They don't look good. Really big. I've tried. Mm-hmm. They look good at most 16 by 20, you know, for some reason, they just don't, they just don't hold together bigger. So there are examples of images which actually look better, uh, smaller, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, well, and, and it is, it is, it is becoming, maybe it has become a 72 DPI world. Well, I think that that is high act- pixel high, high DPI monitors aside. But yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Yep. Well, yes. Temporarily, I think in the next few, in the next five years, everyone's going to be using high DPI monitors. Um, it's it's definitively fine, better. but but yeah, electronic versions yep, of electronic of versions. I remember you know. I was talking to um uh what's his name uh um Tufty Edward Tufty. Mm-hmm. And we were talking because, I mean, he prints his own, he has his own books printed by some crazy people in Germany or, you know what I mean? Like he's very, very particular about his book printing. Okay. But he had some of his work. (laughs) Yeah. But, but at the same time, he had some stuff that he had done up on like 1080p TVs at his gallery. And I remember saying to him, how do you know, we were driving in this car and I was like, I don't. You know, you're so particular about your books. Why are you okay with super low res relatively images on a TV? He liked the fact that they were backlit. Like that made it good enough for him. Okay. Which I thought was, okay, I I like backlit too sometimes. I think it makes things pop. But but I just thought it was interesting that he was willing to give up on resolution in order to get the backlight, you know, to get the Mm -hmm. whatever saturation Mm it was. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's. It really does. It really has become a more of a digital world than a print world. You know, uh, more and more advertisements in New York are are like screens, right? You know, inside of bus depots and those kinds of things. Oh, know? really? Even even in the bus depot? Thing. Yeah, some of those are becoming digital too. Huh. So it's like it's just a matter of time. You know, uh, I mean, think about it. You have a bunch of screens all over the place, then you don't need to go have somebody print something and put it up, and you can change it. Every hour, right. if you want to change right. it every hour. I mean, there's all kinds of advantages, right? Um, so that's just a matter of time before it's Blade Runner. Um, I don't know. It's just, it is. It, or even worse, Minority yeah. Report when yeah. you're targeted yeah. walking, walking by. Someplace. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey, do you need new tennis balls? <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, we see you're using four year old tennis I balls. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, anyway, just interesting link. I'll put, it, I'll put it in the show notes. How science fiction book cover became a five and a half million dollar painting. 
It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that that is odd to me. That's and I it, think it's I think crazy. it's it's I don't know. It 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 somehow detracts from from Foss's work and and the work of people like Frazetta yeah. who who yeah. were masters at what they do. Yeah. Not yeah. only of technique but a, a, a conceptually. I if I was that guy, I would feel completely obligated to send a check for half of the money to the other guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously. Something. It's like I know we did this together. Here's half. Yeah, because this 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 transformative work, however transformative it, it is, and I'm 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 using large. I mean, obviously, the second guy is also a good painter too, because just to sure, be able to replicate that, it's but without know. the original work, his work wouldn't exist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is that the definition? I don't know if it's a definition, but but in this case, it is. It is. Uh, yeah. I think it's true. Yeah. Very uh, strange. I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe it's too. Maybe I'm looking at it too black and white. But I. I I don't. That's funny because those pictures are in color, Jeff. They are in color. That's right. Uh, I, I don't know. This just seems like justification after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And and there are probably you know art scholars much more uh, learned than me that that can explain this. But I I just I I don't get it. No, neither do I. Um. Let's see. So right before the show started, actually, we got an email, uh, uh, a tweet from a listener, Rich, over in the UK, sending us the uh, a bunch of pictures that Roger Fenton took of the Crimean War in the 1850s. Yeah. And they're these are wild. They're man. crazy these cool. Wild. Yeah. Photographic van. This yeah. first photograph. Yeah. Uh, you still have one of those? <laughs> You still have your your, your horse, still have my your horse drawn van. photographic van. Sadly, the mule died, and yeah. I have to just leave it out in the yard. Um, you know, it's funny because what I find interesting. Okay, so these are all black and white, obviously pictures, glass plates taken in the eighteen fifties. This guy drove this truck around, you know, this uh, wagon around, and would would create photographs. Of course, these were really really long exposures because they, you know, this was twenty years after photography was invented. So this is real new stuff you know what kills me is that like uh image four and of course all the ships are just wooden things with masts and sail ships but it's just funny looking at it and going really you know what i mean in yeah. a photographic thing the best warships they had were things with sails you know it's just kind of it's strange but there's a picture number 16 in there uh just a bunch of soldiers sitting around uh waiting for food yeah looks like uh, one of the william notman composites Yes. And look at the guy, the guy over on the left, just the way he's standing. Mm-hmm. These people could totally just be hipsters. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're just, just standing. Uh, this is uh, I, a lot of contrast in these. I love, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of detail too. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, the advantage they had was, I don't know how big his plates were that he was doing, but you know, the, the process may have been, 10? yeah, probably. But I'm just saying that the, the, the process might not actually be that, high res, but it's a big enough plate that, you know, you get the resolution, right? There, mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the, even those eight by tens that I did a couple weeks ago, I scanned them at 1200 DPI, which gives me 120 megapixel image. And I could have gotten a lot more out of them, you know, but back then you weren't getting 1200 DPI out of a glass plate in 1850, right. you know, um, these are wonderful. They these are, are really, really cool. Wonderful. And, uh, in there somewhere, uh, number seven is the famous picture 
the Valley of the Shadow of Death, which is uh, generally considered to be the wor- first war photograph of cannonballs on the side of the road. Oh, right, 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 right. And there are two versions, one with cannonballs on the road and one with them off. Some people say Fenton threw the cannonballs up onto the road. Uh, and then other people, to make it look more exciting, other mm-hmm. people said that actually soldiers came by and picked up the cannonballs in between the two shots because we don't know which one was first and which one was second mm-hmm. to reuse them. There's no metadata? Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> the metadata got erased when he exported it from Lightroom. <laughs> Um, which, you know, there's a, there's that, uh, book by who's the guy who did fog of war. The, the oh, movie, uh, uh, is everyone I'm blanking sc- on it. I'm everyone's sorry. Screaming at us right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, the filmmaker, uh, his name is, uh, Errol Morris. Yeah. Right. 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 So I think Errol Morris made a book, a photography book, uh, uh, which I will find a link to if I can see. I think it's called Seeing is Believing. Is this the one? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It's called Seeing is Believing, where he sort of uh, obsesses. It's called Observations on the Mysteries of Photography. And believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. Sorry. I flipped yep. it around. Um, and, you and John Travolta. Yeah, apparently. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty interesting because he has an entire chapter on that photograph. Mm-hmm. and talking to different people about possible things that could have happened in between the two. And it gets a little too deep for me. Like it goes a little off the reservation, just right. in the amount of time he's taking to do it. But, but uh, it's a really interesting book. I'll put it in the show notes, believing okay. is seeing. Um, but yeah, but that's like a really famous photograph for that. Some people say it's the first one ever taken like in an actual war zone during a war. Hmm. Uh, crazy stuff though, man. It looks like it would be really cold there. Uh, yes. Or really hot. War? Not never, so much. Never a good idea. <laughs> not so much. No, 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 not at all. Um, all right, what else we got? Well, you, you were, you were. I'm a little upset about this one. You were a little upset about this. Uh, f- another, another film stock killed. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, a couple of things Fuji killed in the last few days. They killed yeah. some actual film films, uh, Neopan 400 and Fuji Color Pro 400. Uh, and uh, then they recently announced that they're actually killing the 4x5 Instant 100C film, which I think might be the last 4x5 Instant film available. Yeah, they they they've yeah, it's just whatever's left. And apparently some people have offered to buy the machines and stuff from them, probably impossible mm-hmm. project people, and no one's getting back to them. Uh it's you know, and part of the you know, it's part it's interesting. This article on uh japancamerahunter.com, you ever go there? I have been there, yeah. Uh they they talk about how uh you know, Fuji raises the prices and then they wonder why people buy less and it's like, well, no, people are not they're, they didn't raise the prices because they wanted to. They raised the prices because they weren't selling enough to make money right. on it at those, you know, smaller batches. Um, well, and they, they go on to say that the 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 FP one hundred C the color is next, of course, which is which is the uh, which is the smaller format instant film peeled part. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's just it's just a matter of time, right? You know, the stuff's just going away. We looked up before the show how many films Fuji actually still makes and. Really, they make like some superior brands for consumers. They make Fuji Color Pro 160 now, 
because they're getting rid of the 400 mm-hmm. and they make uh Velvia and Provia slide film. So really so, they only make one in one professional negative film and two uh slide films. It's wild, right? It's a it's a completely different world. And uh you know the end comes to everyone, Jeffrey. <laughs> That's right. All right, so photographer of the week, we got we got we got somebody different here. Well, I guess we yeah, always I, have somebody I, different. This is good. I don't, I didn't know this this person. You don't know Barbara Morgan, uh, photographer of the week. Barbara Morgan is famous for having taken pictures uh, of, of she's of dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially Martha Graham, the famous photographs of Martha Graham that everyone knows from 1940, 19, you know, those kinds of times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all taken by this woman, and you know, we always like to highlight these old school women photographers is sort of like, look, they've been around for a long time. And, uh, you know, these, these badass women photographers from the 1940s, it's really great, really great stuff. Um, and it's interesting because she does, uh, a lot of, some of her stuff was with flashes and other stuff was just with tungsten heads, you know? Hmm. Uh, so it's, she, she, but see, of course the technology was very different then, you know? But one of the things she said, she used to shoot with a with a four by five speed graphic, okay, um, at like one hundred uh, one six hundredth of a second, you know. Uh, so, and she had assistants, four assistants holding lights around the room, aimed at her, aimed wow. at the subject. Um, uh, so it's it's interesting because uh, some of the stuff it's like she has slight amounts of slight amounts of blur in there, so that it doesn't look completely static. You know, it's sort of like you want it, you want it sharp, but you don't want it completely just frozen. Right. Which I think a lot of dance Some photography of it, uh, gets yeah. wrong. It's just, it, it's, it also looks like maybe a little bit of double exposure or something. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, interesting. Like she allows a little bit of blur to, to actually keep the motion in there, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and these people like jumping up in the air, obviously she used flashes for some stuff, uh, but she's yeah, really, really cool stuff. Uh, uh, one of the big um, uh, inspirations for a lot of Annie's work of dancers mm-hmm. in the eighties and nineties was this Barbara Morgan stuff. Uh, but uh, we're going to put some links in the show notes. You, uh, did, yeah. you ever, did you ever see the, the, uh, the Seliger thing that, uh, with, uh, it was a Nikon ad. He had, uh, he was, he was, Shooting Baryshnikov with dancing with a light stand, like with a with a, yeah, a, light, a theater those. light pole. Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's nice when you got Baryshnikov. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I should. You know what it is? I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do some more stuff with my Taylor friends because uh, they're just so. You much know, fun. you should. You've got a great resource there. Oh, it's unbelievable. And, and they're willing. You know, last to, to uh, do stuff with you. Last weekend, uh, uh, Francisco asked us to um, to shoot some uh videos so claude and i went over there and shot uh him and and a dancer friend of his evelyn uh dancing a dance that cisco um choreographed and just watching them do it over i mean you know they ran the thing 20 times Mm -hmm. and just watching them do it was just unbelievable you know And, and claude had this really good idea to speed up the music by the right percentage so that we could shoot at 30 frames per second and then slow the whole thing down to 24 so that it would be in the right time, but it would just look a little more deliberate because gravity would essentially be slowed down by 20%. Hmm. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, 
Sorry. Uh, so we did that and, and, you know, they were already pretty fast in this dance to begin with. And we were just like, all right, you need to do a 20% faster. One, two, three, four. And watching them do it, they just did it. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, you need it faster. You'll have it faster. Um, someday we'll all be as good at what we do as these people. Um, but anyway, uh, Barbara this stuff Morgan, is great. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking through all this Barbara Morgan work. This is fantastic work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and apparently she, she was a painter for a long time. So in the 19, hmm. there's a great picture on the, on her Wikipedia page, um, where, she, where she, uh, where she's painting, uh, in the grand Canyon, like sitting on a ledge. Oh, look at that. Oh, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> right. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, um, yeah. Wow. Mm hmm. Scary. Oh, see, I would, I would, you know, knock over my, my little thing of water or linseed oil or whatever. And I'd go reach Whoa! for it. Yeah. Over yeah. I'd go. This is, those people are crazy. Every time I, you know, horseshoe bend over in Arizona, just South of the Utah line, like on the way down towards uh, so the, 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 yeah, the one that's got like the little Island in the middle. Yeah. It like curves all yes, the way yes, around. Yes. Okay. So we went, um, we were, we were driving, Conrad and I were driving down in Arizona and we saw the thing, pull over here, horseshoe bend, whatever, you know, it's 500 feet down, you know, whatever. So we pull off and you have to walk like a quarter mile over these sand dunes. And all of a sudden you're like, whoop, you're at a cliff that goes down 2,500 feet and there's yeah. no railings. There's no nothing. <laughs> Why would there be a railing? Right. Well, of course there's not, but I mean, but you know, like you just, you're just walking and you're like, oh, and I, she and I are on like our chests, like lowest center of gravity possible. Right, right, right. Creeping going, over the cliff. Yeah, as if there were machine guns firing tracers <laughs> six feet above, you know. <laughs> nice. Go, go, run, run. You're like, this is, this is it. This is as close it's as I get. Camp. Yeah, we're like, and we're crawling towards the edge. And of course, you know, you don't want to hold your camera over the edge. You're like wrapping it around your wrists. God forbid, you know. And then yep. there's these, there's a father and son uh, group biker guys sitting over the edge with their feet just talking and i'm like nope it's like i just think if you stand up and turn around and your boot slips or a squirrel runs across your path and spooks you or you know what i mean yeah any number of things one of uh the most frightening things i've I've ever done uh was was climb angel's landing in zion Mm -hmm. um terrifying yes Oh yeah. See, I, I know about angels landing and I refuse to go up there. Like little, little paths where you're holding on to chains, yes. you know, climbing up and, and yeah, great yeah, view, but yeah, no, thank wouldn't, you. Wouldn't do it again. Um, <laughs> another interesting thing about, uh, Barbara Morgan, uh, only when she was about, uh, 35, did she actually start taking pictures? Hmm. So she was, she was, she was painting, uh, and then she moved into photography seriously uh, at age 35. Uh, so it's it's just interesting. You know, it can, it can happen to all of us. Uh, are you showing me pictures of Angel's yeah, Landing? Look, look at this. Why are you this doing is this a, to me? Look at this. This is a little thing that you that you climb up holding onto the chain. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like two feet wide. And this yeah. is a good idea because... <laughs> the view, man. The view. I've heard that it's pretty lovely. It is, yeah. but you know what? The postcard shot in the gift shop was better yeah. than, than the shot that I took. <laughs> uh, ain't that always the way? <laughs> yeah, you can't win. Yeah. I was like, huh, look at that. It's so wrong. 
anything else you want to talk about? Oh, also, uh, uh, the Barbara Morgan did a lot of really cool light drawings, too. Did you see those? Yes, I did. Like the long exposure things, light painting. Yep. Yeah. I like those, those a lot. Those are really, really cool. So yep. this woman was doing some pretty hip stuff back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so uh, It just goes to show you're not doing anything new. No. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure she stole it from somebody else, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, Barbara Morgan, check her out. We'll put some links in the show notes. And uh, I think we're about done. You want to you wanna say anything to anybody out there? Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com if you want to get a hold of us. Okay. Uh, or on the, uh, the, the G Plus group, uh, which is uh, 994 now. So six more people. Wait, is that right? Uh, I think we're close. We're close to being full, right? Not full, but. Well, I mean, uh, to a thousand. Yeah, right? 994. So six more to a thousand. <sighs> Getting up there. Um, Bill tweets, BillWadman.com. No, yep. Bill Wadman. Sorry. Bill Wadman. Um, but the site is BillWadman.com. It is indeed. Well, with the, with the new blog now. With the so blog up there. Yeah, I got to go check that out this week. Uh, Fadedandblurred.com for photo inspiration stuff. Uh, Going to be adding some new things there over the next couple weeks. I'll keep you up to date on that. Excellent. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. Go leave a review or a rating if you'd like on yep. iTunes. Helps people find the show. Fair enough. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, to get to the show five by five dot TV slash OTP and then add a slash 97. 90, wow. We're getting up there. I think this is now yeah, officially camp, the most Wait. episodes for a podcast I've ever done. Wait. I can't whistle. <laughs> I can't Wait, what whistle. kind of whistle are we trying to do? Just like a, like a, you know, no, like the, the no, like, oh. wow, that was a lot. Yeah. One of those. Okay. I gotcha. I can't do it. All right. I'll I'll tell you what. I'll automatically dialogue replace your whistles. How about that? Nice. Nice. Uh, All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Try to make it right